Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Lucy Arnaz. You're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Roberts here welcoming you back to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that will say sock it to me as we welcome back legendary producer, director, and writer George Schlatter. George Schlatter, creator and producer of Laugh-In and Real People and a fixture in the world of Variety television for more than 50 years, while George's career in show business spans nearly 70 years. Calendar year 2023 marks the 50th anniversary of the final season of Laugh-In on NBC. Laugh-In, a radical departure from traditional TV comedy that drew inspiration from both the counterculture movement of the 1960s and, in some respects, old-time vaudeville and burlesque to politicize, sexualize, and energize television as it had never been done before. The backstory of Laughing and how George got it on the air, even though NBC did not understand it, is one of the many, many stories that George shares in his marvelous new memoir, Still Laughing, A Life in Comedy, which we'll tell you more about in just a second. George Schlatter, welcome back to our program. Thank you very much. What a great introduction that is. Well, a, a great man... Deserves a great introduction. Well, I don't know that I can live up to it, but I'll try. I have two takeaways from reading your book. One of which is in the early going, you talk about your early background in show business, work in nightclubs such as Ciro's in Hollywood, work in nightclubs in Las Vegas, at a time when you crossed paths with casino bosses and some unsavory characters such as Mickey Cohn. And I was thinking about this, especially when I was reading the section where, uh, when you were working at CBS. Uh, in the early 60s. In a lot of ways, your experience working in nightclubs, you couldn't have a better preparation for working in television, not only just dealing with executives, but dealing with the unpredictability of of talent. Yes, and some unsavory characters, too, which I did not put anything in the book about. No, that's right. That's your your paper that way. No, you're a smart guy. <laughs> and alive too. <laughs> that's that, that that's absolutely true. But I thought about that a lot as we're, as, as I was reading the section of working with Judy Garland in, in particular. I mean, Judy, she was a special talent. Uh, she could be a handful, she could be high maintenance, but if you knew how to connect with her, if you knew how to deal with her and you knew how to put her with these, then she would do anything you want and that was and, and those were the things you you drew on from your early background well that was the same with sinatra if you could make him laugh you could get by with anything the key to judy was making her laugh yeah, the, you know it sounds strange but it's true well no it's it speaks to the title of your book still laughing you know if if you could put someone at ease 
you know, it diffuses any tension that might be in the air, and then you can have some common ground and work with each other. True, true. But it's, it's been fun. I, mean, I hope in the book you, you got the idea that I've had a really fun, good, happy time with a lot of laughs. Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, like I said, um, the, the great thing about George's book is that it makes you feel like you're in the same room with him, and he's telling you all these stories. And he not only has one-liners, but uh, you know, he, he gives you an idea of how a joke is structured. You know, like the. Uh, hey, thank you, man. You did a lot of research. Well, I, 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 as I say, I read your book. You know, so. <laughs> Dangerous for anybody that's that well prepared. The thing with Judy Garland was, I think in the book I said when I, I wanted to meet her, I wanted to do the show, but I didn't know what to do. So I said I wanted to be hired before I met her. So anyhow. I have a meeting set up with Judy all of a sudden at uh, 8 o'clock at night. And so I walk into the meeting, here's this tiny little woman. And I, and I didn't know what to say, so I said, so she said, so you're George Slaughter? And I said, yeah. I said, I don't care what you may have heard about me. There's no truth to the rumor that I'm difficult. And she <laughs> said, so I said, see, even you heard about it. And uh, so she laughed. And uh, then we went out and got some Libra milch. But Judy, the secret to Judy was making her laugh. She was a... A tiny little woman, but a powerhouse of energy. And the secret was making her laugh because uh, she'd gone through her whole life, you know, being told what to do and whatever. And the secret was making her laugh. And I had a great time. Boy, we had a lot of laughs. I'll tell you. And uh, you you had you had a lot of laughs. And and this is this was like early '60s, the height of the variety show era. And one of the keys to building a successful variety show is knowing who your talent is. And uh, if I may borrow a baseball analogy, putting them in a position where they're going to win, where they're going to shine and, and draw the best out of them. You knew how to do that. And you, you did that despite getting notes from the, the network executives who tried to make her into something that she wasn't. I got reams of notes from the network executives, you know. And uh, they, see, they bought Judy Garland just for an announcement. Mm-hmm. They really didn't think she was ever going to show up. And uh, so the first thing I did, they had a meeting set up with all of the affiliates. 1,100 people showed up at the Waldorf Astoria to meet Judy Garland. And she said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm terrified. What do I do? What do I say? And uh, so I said, well, uh, you come in. And she sat down on the lip of the stage at the Waldorf, and the music stopped. And she said, sang a song, call me irresponsible, call me unreliable, call me undependable, too. Have my foolish alibis bored you. I won't take a powder I can't afford to. And the place went crazy because they'd heard all of the stories. And from that moment on, I owned her because I could make her laugh. And I got her off the hook all of the time by making her laugh, you know. And uh, I loved her. I had a really good time with Judy Garland. We're having a very good time talking to George Slaughter. George Slaughter, creator and producer of Laughing and Real People, George's memoir, Still Laughing, A Life in Comedy, is the story of how a kid from Missouri ended up working with some of the most fascinating people in the history of show business, including Judy Garland, Frank Sinatra, Eddie Murphy, Cher, Elton John, Bette Mittler, Goldie Hawn, Jonathan Winders, many, many, many others. Still Laughing, A Life in Comedy, available wherever books are sold, as well as Amazon. Dot com jumping forward about 10 15 years i forgot that you are the showrunner of shares uh variety show that she did just after the divorce um, yes. with sunny and again we're, we're talking about knowing who your talent is and knowing how to connect with them 
and knowing how to put them in a create a format for them where they're comfortable and they're going to shine. Now it helped that you have. I mean, it, it helped that you knew Cher before you worked with her. Yes, yes, yes. And we had a good time. And when she uh, they announced she was going to do the show, and uh, so she didn't know what she was going to do because she'd never been away from Sunny, mm -hmm. and uh, she was not going to let any man ever control her again. You know, so mm -hmm. that was a bit of a hill to climb. You know. But uh, we, we, again, we, she said, what do you want me to do? She called me Hammer. Yes. Because I guess I was kind of persuasive in my approach to Cher. And uh, so I had her open. I said, a little tiny thin spot. And we come into that thin spot and you sing, call me irresponsible, call me unreliable, have my foolish alibis bored you. I won't take a powder I can't afford to anyway. So my thing with Cher was making her laugh and putting their hands down and having uh Open them up. They're all vulnerable, all of those people. Yeah. I've had a really good time. You, you had a very good time, and it shows in every page of George's memoir, Still Laughing, a life and comedy available wherever books are sold. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Before we forget, this is the other takeaway that I got from reading uh, Still Laughing, George. Oh, yeah. Is you talk about the love of your life, Jolene Brand. Uh, who, who, who all of us know as the girl in the bathtub on the Ernie Kovac specials, but yes, yes, you, yes. Uh, it uh, your your story is a testament to the old saying: behind every great man is an even greater woman. And she was the I mean, in in many ways, as you say in the book, she got you out of Las Vegas and and into Hollywood. And by leaving Vegas, that, that puts you in a position to leave your path to forge your path in television. Jolene made me respectable, you know, uh, at least semi-respectable. <laughs> uh, she wasn't going to marry me because she said I'd be dead before I was 30 with the people I was hanging out with. Yeah. So I said, well, it's true. I knew some very colorful people. And I said, well, I don't have to hang out with them. She said, you'll never lose those people. So I then severed all those relationships. And, and uh, two years later, I was irrespectable. And because of Jolene, that I did not go up the wrong path, as it was. Yes. Classy lady. Uh, very, very, very classy lady. Um, uh, now, I don't remember whether I don't remember whether this this was before or or during the time you met Jolene. But circling back a little bit to your days in Vegas, there there's a time you booked acts for the old uh, Last Frontier Hotel in Las <laughs> Vegas, and one of the acts you booked was, believe it or not, you someone pitched the idea of, of having Ronald Reagan do, uh, uh, do, do an 80-minute um, stand-up type of show, you know, but that, that's a whole other story. But the, the, the opening act for Reagan was the Marquise Chimps, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lou Wasserman called me and said, book Ronald Reagan into the frontier. <laughs> and I said, Mr. Wasserman, he doesn't do anything. <laughs> Lou Wasserman, a brilliant man, he said, that's not my problem. So... I booked Ronald Reagan in the Frontier Hotel, and I remember he'd done a movie with called Bedtime for Bonzo. Mm -hmm. So I found this act of five chimpanzees, and that was his opening act. And uh, the problem was that the, the, the act ran 20 minutes, 30 minutes. You could not change it because it was the gorillas. That, they did the same thing every time. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, so the act ran too long, and I, to cut, I had to cut the act, and I couldn't cut the act. So I... And Ronald Reagan cut it. He said he's not going to change his act because it was perfect. His, Ronald Reagan's act was not perfect. Anyhow. <laughs> so, uh, so anyhow, 
Uh, we had them perform the first 10 minutes of the act in the hallway, and then we opened the doors and they could go out and do whatever. But uh, the first time we did it, the chimpanzees got loose in the room, and they were swinging from the chandeliers and going crazy. And uh, uh, then the owner said, tell them just to do that. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. That was, there's five gorillas loose in the saloon. is not wonderful? So then we had to tell Ronald Reagan to cut his act, for which he never forgave me. <laughs> Reagan and I wound up pretty good friends, but Ronald Reagan never forgave me for booking him in the Frontier Hotel with five chimpanzees. Yes. But uh, the chimps, man, the chimpanzees would have made better presidents, I think. <laughs> we had a good time. Absolutely. The, the, the backstory of uh, Ronald Reagan and the Marquise chimps is one of the many stories that George shares in his marvelous uh, new memoir, Still Laughing, A Life in Comedy, available wherever books are sold, as well as Amazon.com. Uh, as we record this conversation, it's the end of August. Earlier this month, George was honored by the National Comedy Center in Jamestown, New York, Lucio Ball's hometown, with a theater named after George Slaughter. What's it? Uh, first of all, congratulations. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What's it like to have a theater named after you? It was unbelievable, you know, but I, I they were going to have this community of all comedians, and they asked me, could I send them something? I said, yes. They said, what else do you have? And I said, lady, I have a warehouse full of elves. So I started sending them material. They wound up sending them literally hours and hours and hours of material I had with comics. And uh, uh, so then I got so involved with the fact that it's the only place in the world ever devoted entirely to saluting stand-up comics. And uh, so I sent them so much stuff, and I also sent them some money. And uh, (laughs) money does it. So we decided the theater's called the George Slaughter and Jolene Brand Slaughter Collection, uh, Celebration. And uh, everywhere you go in Jamestown, which is a wonderful community, which Lucy of Ball formed, Everywhere you go, it's all devoted to comics. Everything from, uh, you know, Ed Wynn to Robin Williams. And so you go around and you touch different kiosks and they perform pieces of their acts. It's a wonderful, wonderful place. And necessary because we've always used acts to open, but we've never really devoted the entire thing to comics. And that's what's at Jamestown. So I'm delighted to have my name and Jolene's name on a theater devoted entirely to celebrating the contribution of comedians. And you can check out the George Slaughter, uh, Jolene Brand Slaughter Theater, and all the other wonderful exhibits at the National Comedy Center, nationalcomedycenter.com for more information on that. You worked with Lucy several times, didn't you? Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, well, Lucy Ball used to come in with Desi into Ceros when I was working at Ceros, mm-hmm. and she'd come by there all the time. And so one time, Des, little Desi, young Desi, had an act, and she wanted me to book the act on the Dinosaur Chevy show, and I did, so she was grateful. So when I was signed to do the Steve Lawrence show in New York, uh, nobody was going to do the show because Steve wasn't that important, and it was the last show they bought, and it was like black and white. So I was convinced that I would take, I called Lucy, and I said, I'd like for her to come down, riding down Schubert Alley on a pink elephant with Steve Lawrence singing together, right? Well, it was the first of all, it was an outrageous thing to do. But she said, I'm not, why would I do that? I said, well, okay, but what do I do with this elephant? <laughs> what elephant? I have hired a pink elephant. She said, you crazy son. She said, right, when do you need me? So she came and she did this number coming through Schubert Alley at 11 o'clock Saturday night. 
and I got arrested. <laughs> and, but she couldn't let me go to jail without the elephant. That's my favorite thing with Lucy. But I had great times with Lucy. She was wonderful. Yeah. You, you, you also produced a special with Lucy. I think it was Lucy, Dinah, and Diana Ross. Yes, and yes, 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 yes. It was a, it was, that was an adventure because little Diana Ross, here was Lucy and Dinah, these two starkers. They were killers. You know, they, they knew every trick in the books. And they kept upstaging little Diana Ross. And uh, she kept turning around and look at them. I said, Dan, stop looking at them. They're evil women. And they're just trying to, nobody will ever see your face. But the, she did the show with them, and it was wonderful. It was wonderful. But she learned more about upstaging in just a couple of days with Dinah and, and Lucy. Dinah was another one I had a lot of fun with. Yeah, that. I mean, that. I mean, when when, when you say they were evil women, they were evil in the sense that they're not careful. If if you're not careful, Diana Ross, they're going to be. Uh, everyone's going to be paying attention to Lucy and and, and right, Dinah. They were, they were for their absolutely precision. They knew exactly what to do. And all they would do is take a half a step back or do something a little different. And then Diana Ross would turn around and look at him and say, Diana, stop looking at these women. I had, see, all of this stuff, but see, what's in the book is uh, just a series of my different adventures. I started out to, to do a book, and it wasn't a book like anybody else's. It's not a tell-all book. No. All it is is tell what funny things have happened. There's things that are not in the book, which is just as well, but the things that are in the book... I decided to focus on the fact that I've had a really, really good time, and that's what the book is about. Yes, and and that book is still laughing, a life in comedy, the story of how George Slaughter forged his way out of the rough-and-tumble world of Las Vegas nightclubs and left his mark in television just as TV, and particularly TV variety, was getting started. It is also a look back at a world of show business that does not exist anymore but will never be forgotten because it's the very era on which television, much as we know it today, has been built. Still laughing, life and comedy, available bookstores everywhere, as well as Amazon.com. You worked with Red Fox. I forgot you worked with Red Fox a few times. I wanted to do a show with Red Fox, and you couldn't, because Red Fox's act was all pretty dirty, you know? Mm -hmm. So I convinced them that I could do things with Red, and I would tape his whole act, and I would just edit out the pieces that were arable. So we came in with Red Fox, and he and he did it. It was just, it was wonderful, and he was funny as hell. But it was his first time allowed on network television because Red Fox was, the material he did was pretty rough. But I had a great time with Red Fox, and I booked him in a movie with uh, Pearl Bailey and Red Fox called Norman, Is That You? Yes. It was the first movie about a, a gay couple, a white guy, and, and Red Fox's son was black, and uh, we did their relationship. And with Pearl Bailey and Red Fox, what I didn't realize was that Red Fox... Uh, that uh, you know they had a relationship before, mm -hmm. and Red was always trying to do naughty things to Pearl. So when they got into the studio, Red was still putting her on. So it became very, very difficult to get uh, Red's attention, you know. And uh, uh, he showed up the first day for rehearsal in a red Maserati, and the license plate said, <laughs> "Well, I'm telling you, I mean, it's the ugliest word in the English language, mm -hmm. but it particularly on a red Maserati with Pearl Bailey there." She just absolutely came unglued. So I lost one of the days with trying to explain to uh, Pearl Bailey about Red Fox's vocabulary. He was he was a trip. He was a piece of work. But in a way, and this is where you, the shrewd part of you, I mean, the shrewd part of being, any, the, if you're a good producer, you know how to make chicken salad out of chicken feathers. 
okay, that, you know, you ended up wasting a day. I mean, a, a prolong, as George says in the book, he only had Pearl Bailey available for five days and one day went out the window. But um, their characters were supposed to be at each other. Their characters in the movie were, act, were supposed to be at each other's throats. So you used that real life tension as part of making the movie and it, it ended up working. Well, I was thrilled with the movie. The movie was the first movie done on, on the videotape, mm-hmm. and uh, I only had five days with Pearl, and uh, we shot it, uh, multiple cameras. It's a whole revolutionary thing. First of all, the first gay, first you know, homosexual couple. It's the first movie done on videotape, but it was funny, and the great thing was everybody saw the movie, and they fell apart. They left, loved the movie, and so I went to do the promotion, and so Red Fox wanted $25,000 a day to do interviews. I said, Red, I said, I said you can't. He said, well, it's my movie. Never. I said, Red, you can't do that. Anyway, he wouldn't. So the movie did not do well because he never did any promotion. But it still remains a very funny movie. It's a very funny movie. George's uh, memoir, Still Laughing, A Life in Comedy. A very, very funny, very, very entertaining look at uh, the early days of showbiz and how George uh, left his mark and really was one of the people who helped create variety television at its height. Uh, I know we have just a couple of minutes left today. I I told you my two takeaways from the book. If there's one takeaway you want readers to get or you want our listeners to get from your book, George, what would it be? Oh, boy. Uh, I think probably my favorite sections are the sections about Jolene because here was this gorgeous woman who uh, worked with Ernie Kovacs and Ernie loved her because uh, she would sit there and, and do whatever. She, he never explained to her what she was going to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I loved Jolene because she, she did Guestford Hall and a number of other shows, but her main credit, I think, was Ernie Kovacs. So my favorite part of the book is the fact that I married one of the most beautiful women in the world who incidentally was also funny. Mm-hmm. So if I have a favorite section in the book, it would be about Jolene. Yes, your, your quote-unquote guess who's coming to dinner story when, you met, uh, when, when Jolene met your parents. That's also very funny. And to know what we're talking about, you've got to pick up a copy of George's book, Still Laughing, A Life in Comedy, to read the backstory on that. George, we're out of time today. I hope we'll have a chance to talk maybe later on this year about laughing, about you your are, You are wonderful. You're dangerously bright because you do research, and that's a dangerous thing always because you, you dug up a lot of stuff that I'd forgotten about. So thank you. This was great fun. Thank you. You're a good guy. Let's do it again. Okay, pal. We'll be back with more TV Confidential right after this. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.